You're listening to the Defro Airsoft Podcast. Hosted by Stuart Rowe. Meet the legend. Meet the legend. Get to know a local Airsoft legend as we take a deep dive and find out all about their call sign, equipment, local airsoft scene, play style, dreams, and the story behind their best Instagram photos. Now, let's meet today's legend. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Rowe. Welcome to the Defro Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with local legend, real-life helicopter engineer, AK fanboy, UK's own, Sean Rochelle, aka Nasha. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> nice to see you, mate. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant, thank you. Uh, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Oh, you're welcome, man. I love your accent, man. It's, it's great to hear someone from, you know, j- just below Scotland, like right on the border. Great accent, man. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's a bit of an awkward one over here for some people, but it, it holds its own. <laughs> no, I, I like it. I, I feel like I'm talking to Captain Price. <laughs> All right. So just uh, before we jump into things, I just want to be a hack and shield my merch. We have the, the new Defro hats and we've got the uh, Defro patches as well. Uh, Sean, I'll send you uh, I'll send you one of these in the mail for being on the show. And for everyone else, you can just grab it on the website, defroairsoft.com, and there'll be links below. All right, let's uh, let's jump in. So round one, uh, behind the call sign. What is your call sign, man? Um, so I got nicknamed Nasher. This was it was very, very early on when I first started playing at a local site called KGB Airsoft. Uh, it's um, lots and lots of old ex-army individuals go down and play and they're an absolutely brilliant lot but I got Nasher because in the UK we have a TV show called Dennis the Menace oh yeah yeah, Don't yeah. Know if you've got that yeah. in Australia too yeah I apparently look very much like his dog Nasher and it just sort of stuck from there <laughs> interesting yeah I was thinking it had yeah. something to do with peaches not peaches um pears because like pears <laughs> over here are called nashi. And I was like, oh, maybe he likes pears or something. But oh no, it's because you look like a dog. Okay. Apparently I look like a dog, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right, man. So everyone gets into airsoft for a variety of reasons. Um, I got into airsoft really just because I finished Call of Duty and just the next step was shooting real people. How about you? Um, so I'd obviously seen a lot, a lot of airsoft videos anyway online. Um just things like Lad Bible on Facebook and things like that. I thought that looks absolutely amazing. How do I get into this? Exactly. Um, turns out one of the people that I work with had had exactly the same experience. He'd seen all the videos and he thought this looks great. And for whatever reason, we ended up talking about it. And we both were spending the weekend down in Cornwall where I'm at for work. And we thought we've got nothing to do this weekend. Let, let's see what's local. Let's see what's around and see if we can get involved. Um, that's when we found exactly that site, KGB Airsoft, and both turned up, hired a gun each, and had a whale of a time from there. That's the place that's run by the uh, old spies from Russia, right? Uh, KGB is the, it used to be the Russian special forces kind of thing. It was a, exactly as you say, a bit like their spy agency. 
it was they've named it after that, yes, but it's nothing to do. No, no Russians down there that I know of, anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're really good spies, then. <laughs> You'd hope so, yeah. <laughs> All right, so everyone has a completely different airsoft arsenal. Like for me, I have way, way too many guns. Uh, I actually counted <laughs> my MP5s last week, and I had nine MP5s. So I, I just gave one to a friend because he was just starting <laughs> out. I, I have triplicates of an MP5K. Like it's, I have too many guns. But my first gun was a 1911 Combat Commander that I picked up on my, within my first week of getting to Japan, and just found it at an old secondhand store for ten bucks. Thought it was a real gun for ten dollars, and was like, oh, this is airsoft. Never <laughs> knew what airsoft was before, but been in love with it ever since. Um, looking back at this gun now, um, it's absolute trash. And I would like never, <laughs> never use it on the field. It's like a single stack magazine. It has uh, no blowback, but it looks really cool. And if I could find it again, I'd definitely buy it to have it in my collection. But I, uh, I would not run with it unless I really wanted to flex on someone. <laughs> How about you? Tell me all about your guns. Um, so my first gun that I got was in a bit of a package deal from a my cousin's ex-boyfriend kind of thing. He was very much into his airsoft. I just started after playing my first few games and thought, this is something I want to do. What's my easiest way in? Um, so he sold me a Vulcan ASL Series 4. I think it was. It was an M4 plastic like rifle. Very, very budget friendly. But he sold me that along with a Armourer Works HX 2001 high capper pistol. Oh, Armourer Works the... are great. I love those guns. Yeah. Exactly. That is the only pistol that I have had since I very much started Airsoft and I've kept a hold of it ever since because high cappers aren't really my thing, but that thing itself is lovely oh, and it, it works it every time. I've got an AW Works race gun. It's the Velocity Wind and yeah. like the, the normal slide is like this long, like the 5.1. And this is like a seven or something like it's <laughs> just the longest, stupidest slide. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how do you feel uh, about your high capper now? Is it something that you still use or is it more just an ornamental gun? The high cap was great. I absolutely love the thing still. And especially CQB close quarters kind of thing. I'll still use it because I've got three magazines for that. Whereas my usual go-to pistol, which is a Tokyo Marui M&P9, I only have two magazines for. And I sometimes run a little bit on the red with how much ammo I'm using. So I prefer the high capper simply because there's just more ammo available for me nice however for the rifle that was out of my collection as soon as i could it oh, was yeah, definitely yeah. not for me no I, i've given away guns very quickly it's like yeah i, I got like a, a cm16 uh from a friend a few years ago and i didn't know what it was because we don't have simer in japan like we do now but simer's only come over in the last few years um japan was only tokyo marui and yeah. like this guy gave me a, a Simer and had all the attachments and shit on it for like a hundred bucks. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. Because I was thinking it was like Marui because Marui with all those attachments would be like five or 600. So I'm like, okay, that's a good deal. I'll take that for a hundred. Oh, absolute trash. Just such trash. And then I um gave it away to my friend. So my friend wanted to start air stuff. I'm like, here, you can just have this. He's like, really? Yeah, just, just have it. And then he get it away once. from me. <laughs> And he's like, I don't want it. I'm like, it's free. He's like, I don't want it. And he he re-gifted it to me. So <laughs> I'm like, all right. So 
I'm just going to drop a G on this. So I just went to the gun shop and just like bought a G's worth, like a thousand pounds or a thousand euros worth of equipment just to make this an absolute beast and then just make yeah. it a sleeper. And now I have this CM16 that will outshoot almost any other gun. <laughs> that that sounds very much... <laughs> that sounds very much like my SEMA AK I had. I had a AK-105 by SEMA that has a lot of Zentico-style like Russian uh, attachments and furniture on it, along with it was it was only a single uh, selector gear. However, was running 13 to 1 SHS gears, high-torque motor, all of the air parts were changed, and type 4 barrel and everything. That was amazing. Really, really good gun, but it external quality was not as good as it should be for the quality that was inside oh yeah and it's it's nice it's nice having a sleeper just to fuck with people yeah all right so every player has different strengths and weaknesses uh recently i've been finding out uh especially when i play outdoor airsoft that my biggest weakness is kind of my eyesight i i can't fucking find players when they're more than 30 meters away from me hiding in the bush and I'm just too noisy. I uh, I move trees. I step on leaves with too much force so people can hear where I am. I kind of like stomp around instead of walking quietly. And when I was playing CQB recently, uh, my callouts my callouts aren't great. I uh, I'm not able to correctly identify where an enemy is to my teammate uh, unless they're in an area that my team has named. So if like, oh, yeah. they're in the red room, we know where they are. But oh, he's near the door. Which door? There's four doors. <laughs> like, need to get better at call outs. But strengths, I can, and I'm big and I'm fast and I'm, I have no concept of fear. So I, I will <laughs> straight bum rush anyone. And 90% of the time, no, the people don't engage just because they're terrified that the two meter foreigner is running at them. <laughs> so they will just hide behind cover and then they get shot in the head. The one, one or two times that they decide to hold their position, I get lit up. But yeah, that's only 10% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth, worth a try. Definitely worth a try. The ROI on the rushdown is fucking fantastic. So yeah. I have to recommend it. How about yourself? <laughs> um, For me, strength-wise, I'd probably have to say the way that I set my kit up. Okay. I, I'm fully invested to airsoft for some reason it's one of those things where even just in my room chilling out i can change my player carrier setup to just suit me that little bit better but that means that in a game if i have to reload i know exactly where my magazine's going to be and exactly how quickly i need to get it in the gun to be able to re like re-engage kind of thing so if for that reason i'd say i'm quite quick at my reloads and so my kit's set up very very well to complement my game style um weakness wise i'm way too like hyperactive whilst i'm playing okay I so i will <laughs> start the first 10 minutes i'll be running around like a headless chicken after that i'm absolutely knackered and i need to have a sit down or i'll run off and do my own thing and then the next thing my the rest of my team are back at the other side fighting off the enemy and i'm stood by myself wondering what's going on it's <laughs> good fun and it's funny funny to watch but it doesn't really work very well when you're trying to run as a team yeah like the for people that don't run as a team like it's really difficult running as a team because part of running as a team is you have to be like three meters from each other max at all times 
And as yeah. soon as you get above like three meters, you don't know where your team is. Like, exactly. You, you have to be within visual confirmation of your team at all time. And as soon as you're in a vis- visual confirmation, you're not in a team anymore. Yeah, you're, you're three, indiv- three or four individuals spread across the field playing by yourself. Basically, but that's how me and my team play. Like we'll always be three meters from each other. And as soon as we don't have visual confirmation, it's like, all right, he's dead. I'm doing my own thing. But <laughs> yeah. if, if I can see you, I will back you up and I will get your refrag. If not, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same here. Exactly the same. All right. So people play airsoft for a variety of reasons. Um, for me, I, I like to think I play airsoft because, you know, hunting humans is probably like the sport of kings or, you know, I guess <laughs> sport of dukes or something. I think golf <laughs> golf is the sport of kings. Wait, what is the sport of kings? I'm sure something is the sport of kings. I couldn't tell you. Probably hunting oh. of some sort, I would think. I'm going to look it up. While, while I'm <laughs> looking it up, let me know why you play airsoft. Yeah, of course. Um so a lot like most people, uh, probably for the social side mainly. Mm-hmm. It it's probably the only sport that I've I'm very big on football and downhill mountain biking and things like that as well. But it's the only sport where you turn up to a field or turn up to a game day to do your hobby, and everybody there's your friend already. You don't know them, but everybody's your friend. And if you need a hand with something or you start having an issue with your gun somebody will come up to you and try and help you out or you can go up to someone else and try and help them out. And there's not much else like that. Everybody's in it together as a group and it's just a really, really nice thing to see. Yeah, the community Uh, aspect of Airsoft is just incredible. Like we have the best community in the world and if people don't agree with that, they can fight us. (laughs) Preferably with toy guns. Yeah, they can fight us at Airsoft and then they'll be, wow, this community is so good. We want to join it. See, it's win-win. Exactly. <laughs> hey, right. on, on top of that, it's a fitness thing. Yep. It it does really, really make you a lot fitter running around in plate carriers and carrying a heavy rifle and exactly that. It makes you a lot fitter. It's a good way to get fit. Yeah, um, and, before I started Airsoft. Yeah. <laughs> on top of that, I really enjoy the kit. I like having the rifles. I enjoy changing them around, playing around with them, and well with the player carriers, helmets, and things like that. It's just all really, really fun stuff to own. Yeah, it's like LARPing is like a terrible word, but it's fun. <laughs> so we just it a, is. We just need a better word. That's why we say Milsim, because LARPing sounds bad. Exactly. All right, I found the sport of kings. It's disappointing. It's hunting or falconry or deer stalking or polo or real tennis, or horse racing. So anything that costs lots of money, basically. Basically, yeah, anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look at uh, round two. This here is preferences. I'd like to hear your opinion on the following topics. What is your favorite attachment? What's your favorite airsoft brand? What's your favorite game type? And what's your favorite after airsoft beverage? Cool. So for attachment, it would have to be a T1 style sight, just the small little red dot. They look amazing on everything and they work so well. It's amazing. Or an RK6 Zeneco foregrip, which is very much an AK style grip. It's that one with the little angle on the front. One of those, I absolutely love them and they will go on 
any rifle and make it look 10 times better, in my opinion. Um, Brand-wise, it's got to be LCT. Again, it's very much AK-related, but I, I love LCT's work, and all of their rifles are such good quality. Um, game type, I like anything that's active. So, capture the flag, domination, things like that. My favourite game I've ever played has got to be last weekend at T1 Badlands down in Cornwall, which was, it was basically a single location capture the flag. And it was just a bum rush off both teams continuously <laughs> for the entire game, just going at each other and giving it all you've got for as long as possible. And it was just so much fun. That's like my favorite term for airsoft. Like I'll use bum rush in every game. Yeah, yeah of course. When people, when people don't know that expression, it sounds a little gay. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> bum is in a homeless person. It's... Yeah. <laughs> just run at them with no tactics, no nothing pre-planned. Just hope it goes well and keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not sexual. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> but an after airsoft beverage, Believe it or not, it's got to be apple juice. I absolutely juice, love my fruit right. juices, and it's got to be apple juice. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Like I've, this is like uh, I think, um, podcast number fifteen or so, and only yeah. one or two people have said beer. The ma majority yeah. of people have said water. Yeah, if the after airsoft is that apple juice, during airsoft most definitely water. Oh yeah, I can't drink anything I'll else. Drink yeah, two or three liters during airsoft, but. So yeah. I finish, I need like six beers. Yeah, I I don't drink alcohol anymore, so I uh, stay away from all of the alcoholic side of stuff and stick to my fruit juice. Yeah, that works too. All right, so let's move into round three. This here is keeping it local. We want to find out more about the uh, local airsoft community. Um, you said that you play near Cornwall. I do, yes. All right, so let's focus on airsoft in the cornwall region this would be yeah. the midlands the highlands uh, it's the most the southern point of most southern point of england so it's the southwest you know down on like the little boot section at the bottom yeah right at the very tip of there ah okay yeah all the way away from up north unfortunately okay i, I was thinking you're near like hadrig's wall or something like that uh, i i live a lot closer up there however for work i'm down in cornwall Okay, so you're playing near where you work. Yeah, exactly that. All right, so let's explore this area. So throw some figures my way. Um, how much does it cost to play us off there? Guns, uh, so like matches, your rough, rough game fee, so how much you're going to be spending to just turn up and play is around about 20 to 30 pounds per game, but a game will last most of the day and it's just a regular skirmish. Um. Whereas for hiring, you're looking around about 45 to 55 pounds to hire your rifle and your face protection and such like that, which, to be honest, it's quite a good price, if you ask me, considering how long you're there for and what it is you can get up to whilst you're playing airsoft. Um, yeah, it's, it's good fun, though. Nice. Um, it seems similar prices to us, but the exchange rate goes up and down, so it's you know, not yeah. that efficient to compare them, but yeah, it's much of a muchness. All right. So for listeners of the podcast, they know that I'm spoilt for choice and I've got like probably 80 fields or something um, that I have access to within an hour or so of my house. Majority of these will be small indoor fields, but we have outdoor fields, which would be classified as woodland fields where you're going to be in the forest 
or you have got urban fields, which will be like a car park, maybe some small structures, some barrels and stuff like that. And then our indoor fields are comprised of kill houses, um, abandoned structures like abandoned hotels. Uh, and then we have like uh, speed QB arenas. And that's kind of, I guess, the five types of fields we have in Japan. What's it like uh, in Cornwall? Uh, th firstly, I very much envy you with 80, 80 fields because we have nowhere near that. Um, within an hour, it's about five. Okay, but we are we have we have quite a diverse like selection for that five. We have one field is like it's like moorland kind of thing, so it's very much boggy and overgrown, which is absolutely amazing to play on. Believe it or not, not loads of trees and it's difficult to move around. So you have to be very you very walk through a bog. That some of the I've been up to my chest in water before playing airsoft. That's fantastic. I want to do that. Yeah. It, Absolutely amazing. It's really, really good fun. But it's not for the faint-hearted. You need to expect that as you turn up for a normal Sunday game to get absolutely covered in water. And dirt. Yeah, completely. I, I went through a belt like a belt setup at one point. I went through that in about three games. I ripped through all the pouches and the belt itself just fell to bits because it was just getting caught on brambles and things like that. But um, we then also have two or three different outdoor sites that are set up very, very differently and very, very well. We have a single CQB type site, which is all rooms and like tight corners, which is absolutely amazing to play at. It's fun, right? And then we, yeah, it's great. And it's then the locally as well, we... Grenades, like grenades yeah. in CQB with tight corners. Oh, it's fun. Grenades outdoors. Yeah. You lose those grenades. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, we also have a underground mine locally. Oh, that's cool. Which, I want to play that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's really, really like unique. There's nowhere else I, like, I think you'd ever be able to play in that type of environment. But absolutely pitch black in an underground mine shooting each other is it's totally something else. Yeah, I mean, like if I go to the UK this year or next year, probably next year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely coming to that game because that sounds like a terrible game to videotape on your GoPro. Your GoPro oh, will not enjoy that's that. That's why I that's why I stopped recording. I couldn't get any footage. Like from what you can see for the naked eye, there's a lot. You can make out shadows, you can make out people, and you're always engaged, you're always shooting each other. What the GoPro sees is darkness, flashlight, darkness, flashlight, and it, you can't see anything else. Even get a perfect kill, all it sees is a bright flash, and that's it. You need you it's need not, nods. Yeah, completely and utterly. Nods down there are completely like different game. Nice. <laughs> okay, anything else you want to add? Uh nothing really. No, locally that's that's what we've got. And that, that minefield sounds amazing. Yeah. I know it's not a minefield, but that, I think minefield is a good name for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in Japan, a lot of our games uh, are different to games around the world. And I found this out just by talking to people. And basically, Japanese games are very, very defensive. Japanese players yeah, yeah. camp a lot. And with the videos that I'm uploading this week to YouTube, uh, they're not very interesting because I've got like 20 videos and a lot of them is just everyone camping and me <laughs> complaining about people camping. Uh, but people do it because we only do one life game modes. We don't yeah, do yeah. respawn. Uh, 
that and what was the other reason? Um, you aren't allowed to run either, are you? That's right. We're not allowed to run. So yeah. we have lots of our indoor fields. There's no running. And because there's no running and because there is. Sorry, I'm just getting a mental blank. I'm sorry. But yes. <laughs> oh, um, no worries. No. Uh, because there's no running uh, and because of the the dual limit doesn't really play a part in it. Yeah, it's really just the no running in one life. It makes yeah. it, there's no advantage to move. No. And if you move, you just, someone lights you up. So it just becomes this boring stalemate of, you know, 10 people on each team, 10 will be in your base, 10 will be in their base. There's no one in the midsection of the map. They just wait each other out. And yeah. it's boring as all hell. <laughs> so that's why like my team doesn't do that. We will assault every single time and we all try to push through the defenses every single time. And yeah. we are successful 30% of the time doing that uh, <laughs> because pushing one person is quite easy, but pushing four, no, you get one no, of them, the other three light you up. But when yeah. you do it successfully and you can breach the enemy line, it's just a turkey shoot then because you're shooting everyone in the back, you're throwing grenades at people and it's, you just, you cause chaos and it's very, very hard to do. And I don't really see other players doing it because the ROI is terrible. But when you pull it off, it's the biggest rush ever. Yeah, exactly. That That's the way it is for, the, for our CQB environment down here. It's, we're allowed to run, but it's, carefully running obviously you don't want to get to a full sprint because if you get around a corner and you run into somebody yeah you're gonna <laughs> cause injuries so it's very much controlled but you can move a little bit quicker than yourselves yeah, um like we we have the same same issues sometimes not to the same extent i don't think but where people will find a corner this corner looks good and that's where they spend the rest of the day they, they just move in like they take out a mortgage they start you know yeah, collecting yeah exactly Exactly. Um, me, myself, I quite like to push on quite a lot. I get very, very bored sat still. But it's personal preference. Um, most of our games, though, are respawns. Mm. And it's very, very quick respawns. It's just back to where you started from, tap the wall, and you're back in. Go back to where so, you started Exactly. So it, it's not as like... There's not as much of a disadvantage by getting hit. Mm. I can get hit 60, 70 times in a game if I really want to. And that's fine. Whereas other people, yeah, okay, they're going to sit back and they're going to try and play for as little times getting hit as possible. So there's not as much repercussions from just running into a broom and getting shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like the pain aspect is important in Japan because like we only play at one jewel, which is yeah. like 300 FPS, which is nothing. And we're limited. But we're only at 350. Yeah. We're not we're much higher. Like 0.2s at almost. Yeah. At all indoor fields is 0.2. Outdoor, we can use 0.5. But because of that, it doesn't hurt when you get hit. And yeah. a lot of people for indoors will just wear sportswear. And by wearing sportswear, the you know clothes are spandex. So they're very form-fitting. And because yeah. of that, um, it, they make themselves smaller targets. Uh, of course, they have no armor, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't hurt. So yeah, definitely yeah. pain is, is not a real aspect that people care about in Japanese airsoft. Yeah. Um, for CQB, again, we uh, only allow to use 0.2s to 2.5s. 
Hmm. So again, it's very, very lightweight and you're only firing up to 350 FPS and semi-automatic only. That's yeah, it. Basically the same as us. Yeah. So exactly as you say, there's there's a lot of people who do try and pad up a little bit and give themselves a bit extra protection, just like with a hoodie or something like that. But a lot of us are just, yeah, wear a t-shirt and you're happy and you're away and playing. Yeah, I can't wear a hoodie. I just I've got my own hoodies for Airsoft, but I just sweat so much in them. <laughs> nah, just wear a t-shirt and a plate carrier. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. And the plate carrier isn't for protection. It's just so I look cool. It's yeah. So that's of it. course, Airsoft's <laughs> just a fashion show, really, isn't it's, it? <laughs> it's a fashion show. And like, if I wear like my my streetwear brand to like an Airsoft game, I'm like, I look cool. I got all the drip on. No one cares at all. But if I rock up to an Airsoft game and I got full kit on, everyone's coming up to me asking for photos. So I'm like, yep. I'm, I'm just doing <laughs> this for the attention. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Um, as you know, there's some interesting restrictions in Japan. So like we've got our lame three tap rule where we can only shoot uh, three times before we have to take a break and then shoot again. So it's overshooting if we shoot more than three times this yeah. is only in cqb arenas we're not allowed to run in some fields uh we can only throw grenades um underarm we can't like yeah, yeah. peg them um of course jewels were limited to one jewel which basically takes out snipers and dmrs they're completely pointless in japan so no one really runs them except if they want to like cosplay as them um that's kind of it for restrictions what's it like in the yeah. uk so in the UK, we've got very, very similar to yourself. Um, grenades are underarm only. Mm -hmm. CQB is very, very similar. We don't have that triple tap and then overshooting rule. We kind of just play it as don't overshoot. You can kind of tell when you're shooting a doorway more times than you really need to or shooting a player six, seven times after they're hit. Mm. So we just kind of run it as like... Don't be honest. Identify it yourself, yeah, and monitor it yourself. Um. That's a recipe As for, disaster, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, it, it works quite well because if somebody's overshooting, it's quite blatant that somebody's overshooting because you get hit once, you then get hit two, three more times, and then suddenly you get this huge spray of fire. It's like, well, I've been hit once. The two or three after is as I'm trying to get out of the way. Hmm. Everything else after that is just somebody shooting for the sake of shooting. But um, FPS-wise, ours changes depending on what weapon you're using. So if I have a full auto-capable rifle, I'm firing at 350 FPS. If it's locked to semi-automatic, I then have what we call a minimum engagement distance, so you're not allowed to fire under 20 meters, mm -hmm. but you're allowed to go up to 420 FPS. So it's basically... And then, yeah, exactly that. And then you have a bolt action, which is 500 FPS, but again, you have a minimum engagement distance. So it makes the snipers a lot more valid. Hmm. But I still see them very much as a weakness compared to most things. If you have a well-tuned assault rifle, you can mainly reach the same distances. Maybe not as accurately, but you'll still get the same different like distance through volume. Nice. Uh, what about um, LMG? Do you have an LMG class? Like five yeah, FPS, uh, you can run like 0.4s, but it's prone only. Anything like that? No. Ours is only 350 FPS again. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's the only reason I don't own a PKM because what's the point? <laughs> but um, like 
your minimum engagement is the same as it would be on an assault rifle. So usually we do roughly 10 meters and anything more than that, you can use fully automatic. Anything less, you have to use semi-automatic. Okay, but so it's not an LMG class then? Not really, no. An LMG at that point is obsolete because a lot of them don't have a semi-automatic like selector. Yeah. So you have to swap to a sidearm or just not engage. Yeah, the the rules I really like is where bolt action and LMG have the same rules. Yeah. And but LMG can't be uh moved. It can only be yeah. fired from prone position, but you yeah. can fire 500 FPS, you can fire 0.4s from it. Yeah. And because and you of can that, just it's annihilate terrible. an area. Yeah. You actually no, can I, do I, fire from it. Yeah, I really like that idea, but I run quite a suppressive fire rule sometimes through just a normal AK because it makes the same, it's the same practicality as running an LMG at this point with the yeah. UK's ruling. Well, Japan too, like there's no point running an LMG. It's just all, all guns are the same. So you just, yeah. you, you run the one that you saw in the movie you liked. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So let's move into round four. This is how you play. Here I've got some different questions and I'd like to hear your opinion on your playstyle. So for a first one, I think I can guess your answer, but how do you feel about camping versus attacking? Uh, we'll start with camping. It has it has its function. Uh, Langer's one of the guys who I play with who's part of my team. He's very much a campy playstyle person. He finds himself an angle he likes and he will spend all day there absolutely ruining anyone who's in range. And he's really good at it. But it means that he's sat still and covers the rest of us as we move up, which then plays into an attacking role. I'm usually the person at the very front of that moving up and getting shot lots because that's what I enjoy. I'm quite small, I'm quite light, and I am quite a fast runner, so I will run You're all day happily. Exactly. <laughs> An aerodynamic. They yeah, they both <laughs> they both have they both have their uses, especially for like one one life games. I can see myself if I was playing a one life game in Japan, I'd probably end up camping a lot more because it seems a lot more practical. Yeah, but however. It's it's not fun. Exactly. It gets boring. And the whole point is, is like you're there to have fun. But for me personally, attacking is so much more like more my thing. Man, attacking is just the best because yeah. I've talked about this a few times, but for me, it just comes down to problem solving. And when you're camping, you're just waiting for someone to come into your, your crosshairs. But when you're attacking, you don't have enough information. So you're constantly solving problems on the fly. And the problems yeah. are, how do I kill this person? And that's a really fun problem to solve because yeah. when you solve it, you feel like an absolute G. And even if you don't, you're like, well, that didn't work. I'll try something different next time. And you get data yeah. and you improve. But when yep. you're camping, it's just, okay, what are the angles? How can I control the angles? All right, that's it. There's there's not that much to learn from. Hey, you can learn exactly. and you can learn how to make a, a ghillie and stuff like that. But after you've done it once, like, that's kind of it. Yeah. See, for the attacking side of stuff that I enjoy personally is exactly what you said when you get behind the enemy line a little bit hmm. and then it's an absolute chicken shoot. Yeah. Um, I, again, I had a situation at the weekend where I snuck around behind what we had was like, it was a bus and a van. I snuck behind the van, got right up behind this player who was using a riot shield and was able to shoot him in the back whilst I was in mid slide kind of thing. And nice. that was honestly favorite moment I've had in a long, long while because and it will look terrible on your GoPro because GoPro. Oh, most that. 
Most definitely. It's Most definitely. Fell over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've started um, not running a GoPro on my helmet or anything anymore, and I now stand it up in an area of yeah. like high high activity. I'll stand it up in that area. And that way I get videos of both myself and other players as we are actually in the middle of the game. And it means that things like sliding and falling over looks a lot better on video than just a camera hitting the deck a few times. Yeah, if you want to get like good video, you just get everyone in your squad to run GoPro because like your footage will look trash, but your teammates footage of him doing nothing and then you sliding looks good but exactly yeah dynamic movement oh my god it does not translate on a gopro it doesn't at all does it all right how about respawn versus non-respawn um so i've I've played a few milsims and the milsim side of stuff non-respawn every day of the week Hmm. because it makes it a lot more tactical a lot more just you have to think about what you're doing a lot more however for a standard turn up on your Sunday and play for the day with kids, adults, everything in between. It's got to be respawn modes because if you get shot at the very, very start of a game when you've paid to play just that weekend and you're now stood watching everyone else play, it gets very, very boring, especially if you've not played before or you're just not having a good day for yourself playing. And that happens again and again and again it's hard to fall in love with a sport where you're not actually getting involved very much. No, I, I agree. Um, when you, I find the best way to do respawn is two ways. The first is like what you're saying, like for newbies and basically the first um, game of the day is a respawn game and you yeah. do that. So people can get rid of, rid of their fear. Uh, and so people can learn the map. And yeah, after that, respawn in my opinion should only be used for situations so yeah you should have a game mode and then respawn should be part of that game mode and this could be done by medicking a teammate so if you get your tourniquet you put on a, a teammate you can bring him back or you can do like squad based respawn which is a game type i just love and it's where you have like five people in your squad and there's maybe like 40 people on your team but you can only respawn as a squad so yeah. if one member dies, you can be like, ah, screw them. It's their fault. But if then like three members die, you can be, look, we've only got two members left. Do you want to push on? Or do you want to go back and pick up our other three members? So then we have five. And you're like, yeah. ah, let's go back and pick up our team. And it introduces so much variety to the game and allows you so much more strategies. And the respawn then makes sense because it's like a conscious decision. Yeah, but if so, you're just like running back, tapping a barrel, and then running back into the game and re-engaging the same enemy thirty seconds later, I hate that. Yeah, so I, I've never heard of the team-based like response, but that sounds really, really good. I like, I like that idea. Yeah, I'd really like to play that and see how it works, kind of thing. But um, the way that the site that I've played at most recently does it is, it's a very, very like square site. Okay. So, yeah, you have one team starting in one corner and one team starting in the other corner. However, the game gets very, very mixed up and very, very, like, it's always evolving, the playing area. So you're always using different areas because the teams will rotate, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's absolutely amazing the way it works. But because of that, instead of them playing go back and respawn back where you started, it's kind of drop back 20 meters, make sure that you're not in 
contact. There's nobody able to shoot you. You're not able to shoot anybody. And then you go from there and they suggest that you go a different like route to where you went last time. So it's kind of like rotating players out in different areas. I like that because it's going to produce different bottlenecks because a lot exactly. of times people just get shot and they'll just go right back to the same bottleneck and then yeah. the bottleneck just doesn't move and then the game Exactly. Sucks. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant the way they've done it because it means everybody's always involved and always playing and you're not stood on the sidelines watching. But at the same time, as somebody who's in a camping situation where you're sat watching a certain area, you might have one person to shoot. You then might have six people to shoot. And then suddenly you have nobody for 20 minutes. That gets very boring and it means you have to move on. And it make it makes players have to adapt a little bit more whilst you're playing. And it's really, really good. No, I like it. It's, it's a good rule set and uh, I'll try to introduce it at some fields here. Yeah. All right. Solo play versus team play. Uh, it would have to be team play. I absolutely love the lads who I turn to turn up to a game with and play as a group. But on that basis, I'm as I say, I'm very very bad at staying with the group on a lot of occasions, especially at like the start of a game. We'll go right. This is the start of the game. We're all going to run to this area and we're going to defend this area and work from there. We'll get to that area. I might get shot or they might get shot and then from there we're gone. <laughs> totally different places, totally different things. And it's hard to stay together. It is. It's really, really difficult to play as a group, especially if somebody gets to a certain area and they've got this great angle and then every time you attempt to get to them, you get hit. Yeah. It yeah, it's just one of those. I think in larger game modes where you've got more people playing, it's probably a bit easier because as you say, you're playing a bit more as a squad. Whereas when it's 20 people per team, when five of you are working together, it gets very, very difficult to keep that five as a five. Yeah, we, we normally will just use battle buddies at that point. So we'll have yeah. like four people on the team, but we'll split off into twos and twos. And then like, it'll always be dynamic. So if my battle buddy dies and someone else has died, then all right, re-team up and then we've got two people. But yeah, you just kind of, it's not so much people that you can trust. It's people that have the same play style as you. And yeah. like for me and my team, I, I only recruit players that are assault players. I don't want anyone else. So, and because of this, we don't need to communicate. Um, so <laughs> like, like when me and Dan play together, you'll see Dan in a lot of my vids. He's always got full kit and we don't even need to speak. Dan's like, just like he's going in and I'll just be on his back and he goes left, yep. I go right. And we don't need to bother about getting scared going around corners or getting scared engaging the enemy. We'll just go straight at the enemy base. He'll take a few rounds. I'll get his refrag and then we'll win the match. And you, yeah. you can't discuss that. You just like, he goes, I go. And most of the time we just both die. But when yeah. we don't, it's glorious. But it's that unspoken agreement where you know what somebody else is going to do. Yeah. Uh, again, my me and my group, work quite well together for that reason we're all really really good friends in just like normal life and so you can kind of guess what each other are thinking with yeah, most things and it, it on top of that it's a communication thing we have like automatically we'll all find like if we're defending an area we'll all find an angle that suits us best and from there even if i can't hit somebody i'm shouting where he is even if i'm not going to try and engage him i'll shout where he is and it gets passed on around the circle kind of thing. And everyone knows where this person is until somebody has a clear enough shot to hit them. Well, There's a lot of our outdoor, a lot of our outdoor. Oh, pardon, good. sorry. 
But when yeah. you can communicate like that and actually use the force multiplier of group and communication, it's an easy way to win. Exactly. It it works lovely when because a lot of the outdoor fields here is you can kind of see somebody from a what like distance mm. away, but, but to shoot accurately them. shoot them, you can't. So you have to kind of track them until they get into an area where you're accurately going to be able to engage them. Um, there's a lot of people who I play with down the local site as well who aren't so much our little group, but have exactly the same mentality, exactly the same like play style. And so it means even if I'm not with my group, I'm on the other team or something of similar nature, I can shout something out and I get positive, re- like just positive, like, reinforcement with what I'm saying of person's there. He's now moved to there from somebody else. And it's, it's just great to be able to play that group, like yeah, gameplay with just random like, people. When you get that efficient gameplay, it's just great. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Indoor games versus outdoor games. I do like my indoor games. However, it's got to be outdoors. Um, I absolutely love the outdoor running around, hiding in the bushes and things like that. It's just so much more, my speed <laughs> oh i know i've i started off playing outdoor and i i love urban games um because yeah. it's basically just big cqb but i'm starting to get annoyed at woodland fields just because yeah people just camp and it's just non-stop camping and no one moves and then when i try to assault someone i just get lit up by snipers i'm like oh this is boring and See, in, in our area we don't really have any urban fields i I feel like urban fields would probably be my favorite by a mile truthfully because it exactly as you say it's a cqb environment but with that outdoor play style and just environment at the same time and sliding on gravel and then like taking cover behind a car it's great you feel like exactly feel like you're in an action movie (laughs) but uh before you slide on gravel or loose rocks, make sure you have really good knee protection. Because like <laughs> I did that with not uh, without wearing knee pads one day. I shredded my drip my jeans and my knee. And I'm just looking down. There's just blood everywhere. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no knee pads. But I, you know, I have t- I have two sets of like cry style G3 trousers. They're not cry themselves because I'm not that rich, but they're that style. And both of them have those in the knees. Pardon? They're cry adjacent. Yeah, exactly. But both of them have holes in like just underneath where the knee pad goes because exactly that. You slide along, something gets caught and it just rips straight through the trousers. Okay, so you've got religious trousers is what you're saying. It would seem so, yeah. I'm sewing them up every every game, so. (laughs) Yeah, like the amount of skills you have to learn when you play Airsoft is incredible. Like, you know, you learn sewing. We didn't need sewing <laughs> before we started Airsoft, but now it's like, yes, I can sew a button back on. Yeah. All right. What about mags? You're running high caps, low caps, mid caps? I, I mainly run mid caps, mainly because low caps, that can't find them for AKs. I run near enough excessively AK platform rifles, and it's impossible to find a good quality AK low cap that'll feed. They just don't feed, they don't work, and it's not worth trying. So it's mainly mid-caps for myself. However, I do have a Tokyo Marui URGI like next-generation recoil rifle. Absolutely love the thing. It's the only M4 that I'm willing to allow myself to play with. 
because I don't like the M4 platform, but this thing's just so much nicer than, like, I, I can't argue with it. And that will run low cap magazines. Um, the, the trick of how to turn an NGRS into low cap? Yes, they uh, switch on the magazines. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that until recently. I'm like, <laughs> that is so cool. Even like the MP5 has it too. Like they, they all, yeah. all NGRS have it. Just See, that that's what sold it for me. I looked at the rifle and went, ah, I do quite like it. And it would be nice to have a rifle that is the same as the other guys in the team so that we can kind of swap magazines around and things like that. I do like it. And then the person in the shop goes, you can swap it to low cap magazines. Yeah, I guess I've got to buy it now. (laughs) I hear that. Yeah. What about power source? I feel you're going to say electric. Um, Yeah. To be honest, in a perfect environment, I'd have to say gas. I love the idea of a gas rifle. I've never owned one myself. I have used them, but are expensive. Exactly. And then gas pistols as well are bread and butter. I absolutely love the things, but it's got to be electrics for rifles for me. I don't like spring because I don't like snipers so much, and it's mainly snipers for a spring environment. But HPA, one of our team members called Finchy Airsoft, has just went over to a HPA pistol. I use that for a game in CQB, and I'll be honest, I'm I'm not as opposed to it as I used to think I was. It's a little bit annoying that it's... uh, Following me across. <laughs> yeah, HPA is efficient. Um, I got to play with HPA pistol last week because HPA is illegal in Japan. And yeah. there was like an airsoft show near my house. And I went over to that and someone from America had like some HPA setups and like, oh, this is HPA. And I got to try it. I'm like, oh, that's underwhelming. And really, if you see um, Mayday, like Mayday Sun is one of my teammates. He's one of the top YouTubers in Japan. And he was at the same uh, event and he uh, used the the HPA gun. I've actually was the one filming him for that little section. And it's the first time he plays with it. He's like, oh, it's it's underwhelming. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. for all it's hyped up to be you're like, ah, oh, it's it's fine. Like the, yeah. See, it didn't seem to have the recoil. It didn't really seem to have any. It's just it's just efficient. It is. And, See, for me, I think HPA a gas rifle. So. HBA tapping magazines or HBA tapping a gas shotgun mm. or pistol. Mm. To me, that makes perfect sense. I can fully understand why people do that because gas is amazing when it works. Mm. But when it doesn't work, it, it very much doesn't work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when it's cold weather, especially here in the UK, we some I've played in sub my uh, like minus temperatures before in the snow. There, yeah. It wasn't gas even worth carrying it. Gas is useless as soon as it's 10 degrees. Exactly, exactly. As soon as the pistol gun. goes cold, it's not even worth carrying it anymore. It's just extra weight. So like we, we have magazine warmers in our pouches. Yeah. So it's, I, I purposely carry my pistol magazines in my pocket, and not in a pouch. Because, yeah, it takes a little bit longer to reload, but at least it's next to my body where it's nice and warm. So you re-index it and you know you're at least going to get 10, 20 shots out of that magazine before you get that hiss of death. Yeah, I have to get a USB power bank and put that in like one of my pouches, then run the cable into my um my vest, which then connects into the the magazine warmer. And then I got like a button <laughs> on that to turn it on. It's like it's it's a lot. It, it is. It's a lot of work for just getting the gun to work. Hmm. But when it does work nicely, oh, they're amazing. They are. All right, let's move into round five. This is living the dream. Let's discuss uh, what you would do if you had all of the monies. 
<laughs> so oh treat. I'm guessing you're gonna get an AK for your dream airsoft gun. Is it the the gold one from? Uh... It's not actually no. Um, it is oh, an AK platform. It's Nicholas Cage, the, where he's just selling all the AKs. It's not merchandise. Um, ah, I know which one you mean. I can't remember it. <laughs> um, for me, it's it's an AK platform, but it's not actually an AK. Um, the Hepsis gas blowback grocer that they brought out they only brought out a limited run of them and that's like the bullpup ak oh, absolutely hepsis Hep- gas ak okay i'm looking yeah. this up. Uh, it's a grosser so g-r-o-z-a all right it's like a bullpup ak and it's gas blowback those things are impossible to get a hold of now but oh, i'd love to have one thing. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen this exactly uh, i'd absolutely love to have one but I, I can't get my hands on one. Um, along I with that, there's like then I didn't know this was actually like a real gun. It's a real gun, yeah. It's um, it was designed for like CQB environments with an AK kind of thing. Hmm. But um, interesting. Along with that, there's then a real sword Dragunov SVD, which is like the sniper rifle variant of an AK. Oh yeah, we've got Dragunovs here. Yeah. The real sword version one, again, there's only a limited number of them in the world, and they are very, very nice if you can get your hands on one. But again, collectors get a hold of them, and then they never see the light of day again. Yeah, and then yeah, I know all about that. My more realistic-looking one to actually, if I did have the money to buy one, I'd actually be able to get my hands on one, would be an LCT PKP, which is the light machine gun that they do. Nice. I've... <laughs> I've only got three AKs, three or four AKs. I've got the classic AK-47, I got the AK-74, and then I got the the Bison Mark III with the top folding stock. And they're yeah. they're all very, very good fun to play with. But yeah, um, might get a few more AKs. I'm just running out of storage space. Like <laughs> my, my girlfriend's rule is that I, I can buy as many guns as I want, but I have to be able to display them. So I, I okay. can't buy guns and put them under the bed. Like, if I can display it, I can buy it. And I've I wish been... I was allowed to display them. <laughs> so I got a gun rack for 22 rifles and a pistol display for about 30 pistols. But it's full. Wow. So yeah. I need I need another gun rack. <laughs> <laughs> need but to get I, yourself I, like attacked for it. So this is like the ultimate yeah. first world problem. <laughs> you need to get yourself like a tactical like um modernized AK with all of the rails and things like that because they oh, look amazing. I have that. I have an AK-105. I forgot about that. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. it's all black. It's got all the uh, the rails and shit on it and it's got the, the M4 um, stock on it and I do not like it. No? I, I want that... the uh, was it the PP-19 uh, uh, Valkyrie uh, uh... I can't remember the proper Russian name for it, but yeah, I know exactly which one you mean. It's, it's like the, the MP5 style magazines. One. It's like the the upgraded Bison that doesn't use the the hexagonal magazines anymore. Yeah, and oh, it looks beautiful. I've, again, one of the ones that's on my wish list once I can finally afford one. <laughs> All right. So, on the subject of wishes, um, what would be your dream airsoft event? Would this be a local skirmish with friends? Would it be a situational game? Would it be like one of the high stakes games that you see on YouTube, like renting an aircraft carrier? Or um, I've seen like Jet Desert Fox where he's like in the desert and he does hostage rescue from an abandoned airplane. 
Or you can be like Airsoft Alphonse, where he's shooting at people from a helicopter, which they just had this weekend at like Iron Dagger, and you could get in the helicopter if you paid $200. What would your ideal yeah. event be? Um, for me, it would have to be a American uh, Milson game. Yeah. They look amazing. Over in America. Milson West, right? They look so good. And I'm very much into my Milson side of stuff. And I'd love to just go and be on the like opposing force team and just cause havoc for a weekend, you know? I'm fine with that. <laughs> that. That's what I'm thinking of doing for like my birthday next year. I'm thinking instead of having a party or something at a nightclub, I'm like, nah, like me and my friends can go to America and then, you know, just LARP for a weekend. And it's like, yeah, of course. That would be dope. Where we, we have plans to go over to Spain and Portugal to play a few games at some point for like me and the group, but it hasn't actually came to fruition yet, unfortunately. Yeah, Spain's got some good players. I got friends in Spain. Yeah. Looks like they've got a, a really good airsoft scene. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right. What about Dream Airsoft Team? If you could squad up with anyone, living or dead, real or make believe, who are you choosing for the Dream Team? Um, so I'd obviously have to take the guys I play with anyway. All of the lads at like the Seahawk Airsoft stuff are brilliant and are really, really good lads to be around. On top of that, it would have to be people off of Instagram, such as like Call Sign Tonka. Okay. I love his kit. I love the way that he plays and everything. I'd absolutely love to meet the guy in real life. Um, do you know Jay Derrick, a YouTuber? Yeah, I know Jay Derrick. I was yeah. chatting to him um a few weeks ago. He has the uh, really cool editing skills where he's got the uh, like the Metal Gear Solid style HUD that he's been running recently. Yeah, absolutely amazing way of doing it. But some of his videos where he's jumping out of windows and things like that look absolutely amazing. And I'd love to be able like to give climbing that a go trees as well. in other videos. Like he's exactly he like yeah absolute unit. Yeah, and then on top of that, it would have to be two like real life gun YouTubers who then do Airsoft on the side, which is Administrative Results and Blue Gene Operator, then okay. to run one of the American Milsim teams. And honestly, I'd love to, again, to meet up with them and have a game. I know the first one, but not the second one. Uh, administrative Results. Yeah, I know him. I know yeah. I know of him. Like, yeah. uh, ad, um, admin, admin Airsoft is based his name off admin Administrative Results, so. Yeah, uh, Blue Gene Operators then kind of, like, his unofficial little brother with the uh, like YouTube world. He's not as not as big of a following or anything, but he's a lot more airsoft related than admin results is. All right, cool. All right, let's move into round six. This here is uh, sell me your gun. Uh, I'll thinking to use this for Instagram, so I'll limit your answer to ninety seconds. Give me okay. one sec. I'm just pulling up a timer. Um, yeah, no worries. When you have 20 seconds left i'll raise my hand uh so you can um i guess wrap wrap up i'm just <laughs> gonna change the view of okay that doesn't work uh because i'm sharing screen i can't actually do anything different with what view is being dis displayed so that's all good i'll keep it i'll just Keep it like Let's this. Leave it there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so do you have <laughs> your gun with you? The only thing I have on me at the moment is my Tokyo Marui MP9. So we'll go with this one. Okay. So <laughs> you have 90 seconds to sell me your gun. Are you ready? Yep. 
All right. Okay, man, sell me your gun. So this is a Tokyo Marui M&P9 with a X300 Surefire style torch on the bottom. Um, this is, again, one of my personal ones. However, it's probably the most reliable and my go-to thing for everything. It's absolutely perfect in most situations because it's just there and it does the job. Um, I have upgraded a few things inside of it, so strip it down quickly. Low back housing and the nozzle at the back have been changed simply because I broke them. But it's one of those things where it's so readily available for parts. It's so accurate. It just works in every eventuality. And when I have so many airsoft guns that I change and chop between, this thing just, it does the job every time. And it's just nice to have it there. <laughs> nice, man. Um, it sounds like a great gun. You have 30 seconds left. Anything else you want to add? Not that I can think of, no. <laughs> All right, I'll see if I can pick one up. All right, man, not bad. You're a good salesman. All right, let's go to the backstory. I've selected three images from your Instagram. I'd like you to give me a little bit more context for these images and really just let me know what the backstory is for them. So okay. here is the first one. It's a very like uh, Suicide Squad, Joker, Knives arrangement looking uh <laughs> rpk i'm gonna say it's a lct geo4 so it's just a normal length ak however it's built up to look very rpk stylish um the backstory for this one specifically was i got it whilst i was helping out working in the local shop somebody brought it in as a broken gun it wasn't working very well the top cover and things was a bit damaged on it and they basically went, look, I don't want this anymore. Would you part exchange it for another rifle? And yeah, we were happy to. They got their new gun. They were happy, absolutely, really, really chuffed with what they got and the deal that they got. I was working as a tech in the shop at the time. And I saw this and went, you know what? It might not be working, but it's got so much character to it. Yeah, I need to pick that up. So I picked it up and then spent the time repairing it and just making it work nicely. And now it's kind of a bit of a beta gun where I'll take it to every game I go to. And if something breaks on one of my other guns, I know that thing's going to run. Yep. I, so... I, everyone needs that one gun that is just the workhorse. Exactly. All right. How about this one all dressed in red? <laughs> um, this was in the CQB environment game after I hadn't played there for a long, long while up until playing this game. Um, the reds from the red lights that way inside oh. i was actually wearing like multi-cam at the time but the red lights make it look very very dark and spooky um for this one i was running a tokyo marui m870 shotgun the gas yeah, one it's like an m870 breacher exactly that it was absolutely awesome in that place because you go it's around the corner and use that with the uh the six rounds at the same time and if you yeah. do the ghost load and then do the 12 rounds that's yeah incredibly fun Say I like I usually run it on three for CQB simply so I get more ammo out of the shells kind of thing. Hmm. Because as soon as you pump off two rounds, you're now thinking, right, I've got three more shots about you're on six, and it, it gets very, very touchy very, very quickly. So CQB I, I, I try and run it on three, and then I run it outdoors on six because it will actually get a decent enough range outdoors to still be viable. If but yeah, that was from in there. Some uh, advice I got from a shotgun user recently is to use um, 
a different assortment of BBs. So like yes. his own mix and he gets 12s, 20s, uh, 25s, 28s, and like a 40 and yeah. mixes them in and then uses that for the load. And because of that, the spread is so much wider and he ju it just increases his kill efficiency. So but I like outdoors, that. I do that sometimes. My first time that I did it, I got the mix completely wrong and had way too heavy a BBs mm. in the gun. So every time I fired it, I got about two, three meters and mm. it was totally useless. But if you mix in a lot lighter weights and then one or two heavier weights, it really does make a difference. So he's completely correct. Yeah. All right. Number three, this one uh, spoke to me. It looks like a uh, an angry vampire. Uh, and <laughs> I like the, the old guy at the back that, that, it seems angry and i guess he's angry because yeah. he's using like an sa80 and it's it's probably jamming up on him uh, so this was down in the underground mine ah, the guy okay. on my the older bloke on my left is called turbo airsoft he has a instagram as well um he's an ex ex army light machine gunner and uh, not ex army sorry he's ex rough regiment so air force but like foot soldier kind of side of it so he's used to the SA80. He got that as a bit of a dream gun because there's no SA80s in airsoft that work very well. Not usually. No. That's like that's the Ares A. That's the Ares A3 that came out, and it is absolutely lovely. It works really, really well, and the accuracy on it's unreal. But um, this photo was taken right after I just got my. It's my dream gun, a Tokyo Marui AK102. Okay. I just oh, got it working what's again. Long under your arm. That's what's slung to my left, yeah. Um, so I just got it working again. Turns out I hadn't actually got it working again. It was jamming up like no tomorrow. So I took out my MMP9, as you can see in my left hand there. Um, trusty old gun, as I say. Um, I had that, and then I stole Finchy Airsoft's high capper, which was in my left hand at the time, and I was running a Kimbo down in the underground mine, which was, it was really good fun. I would like to do that, like, I, yeah. I, I love running dual pistols just because it's ridiculous and it looks great in videos. Yeah, it's totally impractical for actual function, but it looks really, but it looks really, good. really cool. <laughs> and like when you do the dive with two pistols, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move into round eight. This here is full send. We want to ask some deeper, more personal questions so we can find out more about your airsoft journey so far. Yeah. So the first one, this here is just a complete license to brag. What is your greatest airsoft-related accomplishment so far? Um, it would have to be building my first gearbox. I bought a ARP9 for around about £60 in just a box. It was just bits in a box. And the person I bought it off told me that everything I need to build a gun was in there, but obviously disassembled and just bits. It took me probably about six months to even attempt to build it because I just had no clue where to start. And then and one night I was like, it's terrifying yeah. doing that, like opening a gearbox. You're like, oh, I spent $200 on this. As soon as I open, it's going to be broken. And exactly. Look, luckily, I started off with this gun as already broken. I couldn't make it any worse. So um, I was just sat one night and went, you know what? I'm going to crack it up, get it out have a crack open and just see what I can do. Anything's better than just bits lying everywhere. So I started playing around with it and it took me about three days of YouTube videos and screwing up to yeah. get it right. Because YouTube videos are great, but 
it's not the same as being able to do it. Things like an anti-reversal latch. I took probably three to four hours to work out how an anti-reversal latch works, and I am not proud of that. Oh. But I now know how they work, and I know how to fit it easy. Yeah, so. I, I, I hear you, man. Like the first time I took a, I opened up a gearbox, it was on the um, uh, that trash CM16 that I was talking about, and I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to like get everything replaced in this anyway, so I may as well like try to repair it myself to, because you know if I break it, it doesn't matter. So like yeah. me and Dan spent eight hours on a Saturday uh, trying to modify it ourselves. And we had new gears, new cylinders, new buffer heads, just new everything. <laughs> and we we got it kind of to work, but we didn't realize that one of the little latches was actually broken. And that's yeah. why it didn't go together. So even mm -hmm. after we put it all together and it was looking exactly the same as it was in the YouTube video, just like wouldn't work. And yeah, like yeah. We, we just gave up and then took it to the tech and the tech's like, oh yeah, so this little latch here is broken. That's why it doesn't work. I'm like, oh, we didn't know but that. How, how would you know that when you've never opened one up before? It's just one of those things. So eight but... hours of torture. And yeah. you know, all the drugs I... we did didn't help either, but you know. <laughs> I ended up getting this gun working in like just like a normal environment sat in my room and it was firing it was feeding i was like okay this is cool it's working took it to my first game with it and it lasted all of an hour yeah. which i was quite happy with an hour i'm happy with an hour but um it lasted an hour before it uh, damaged the piston that was in turns out i hadn't shimmed it correctly but that's live and learn but i probably had this gearbox apart every day for about a month getting it completely stripped down, completely rebuilt and getting it all back together and ready to work for the next week. And then it would break. I'd take it all back apart again and do exactly the same thing again. But it meant that I learned how the gun works, not only theoretically, but how it works in itself and perfectly. You have, you have an intimate and connection to it. Exactly. So I've, I still own that gun. I'm not a very big fan of using it because I'm not actually a very big fan of the gun itself. Would you but say I don't think I'll ever sell it because... Would you say you understand your gun better or your partner better? Pardon? Would you say you understand your gun better or your partner better? Oh, definitely the gun. Any day of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just one of those. I got it working and it worked lovely. So it's that feeling when you get it working and you're like, ah, I'm a genius. And then yeah. <laughs> it lasts for that feeling lasts until it stops working and then that feeling goes away. The reason why I stopped using it was because it became reliable. It stopped ah. breaking. I played three or four games in a row and it worked lovely. I went, well, there's no point in opening this up anymore because it works. No fun. And then it became very much not interesting anymore because I had much better guns at home anyway. It's, it's nice fixing broken things. Yeah. So that brings us to the next question. Embarrassing moments. Um, tell us about a time that you just completely embarrassed yourself playing Airsoft. Well, this is the exact opposite of fixing guns and okay. snapping my URGI in half. That's the <laughs> expensive NGRS that you bought? Yes. Oh, that's not good. How did you do it that? It wasn't good. No, I was not the happiest. I've luckily got the parts to fix it. It's currently all sat apart, but ready to go together. So I'm not too fussed anymore. But um, it was the last game of the day. It only just started raining. So most people had packed up and said they were going home. And we basically went, well, there's still half an hour left to play and there was about 10 to 15 people still wanting to play and we went okay what we'll do is we'll just do a all v all game 
start in a random place on the map and just shoot anybody who moves kind of thing. Ooh. And it was so much fun. That's nice. I jumped into the bus. I was shooting people outside of the bus. And unfortunately, me and Finchie Airsoft have a little bit of a um, rivalry going on. He runs around the back of the bus. I took a couple of shots at him as he took a couple of shots at me. And I went, I know we've both missed. I'll jump out the side of the bus and shoot him and he won't expect that. So as I jumped out the side of the bus, I just landed on the rifle and just snapped it clean in half at the front uh, locking lug. But did he expect <laughs> that? Pardon? But did he expect that? He didn't expect it, but he still shot me because I couldn't shoot him back. <laughs> uh, well, your, your plan is almost a success. Exactly. It, it would have worked if my gun didn't break. My my first thing that I said as soon as I stood up with it as well was it wouldn't have snapped if it was an AK. So <laughs> they they are a sturdy firearm. It's, the LCT ones are so realistic; it's ridiculous with how heavy weight and just good quality they are. <laughs> yeah, I heard someone say like they're they're made from like a factory that also like makes AKs or something. So uh, that's that's ENL. Oh, yeah, okay. literally it's two assembly lines alongside each other one makes real AKs and one makes airsoft AKs so it is so realistic it's unreal and I like that I, I want that yeah that's why I like the AK platform all right so let's talk about the the future like airsoft is changing and you know it's becoming more of a sport it's uh milsim is also branching out you also have like airsoft in tactical training you see you're seeing airsoft used in military training like apparently it was like adopted by the US Coast Guard for part of their training so airsoft is really growing how do you want airsoft to change in the next 10 years uh, to be honest i just like the fact that it's growing i'd like a lot more people to be involved for one because the amount of people especially at work and like work with quite a lot of young people same as myself who don't even know it exists mm. you know <laughs> Like you mention it and they go, oh, yeah, I saw a YouTube video on that. But have you ever looked into doing it? No, no, but I'd really like to. And so if you looked into doing it, do it. The amount yeah. of people I've brought along with me before and just went, there's a spare rifle, there's a spare set of goggles. Have a way at it. Have fun. And loads of people love it. And just not a lot of people know that they're going to love it because they've never tried it. So a lot more people getting involved. And then the other one for myself would have to be a bit of an industry stat like standard set with a governing body in the UK. We don't have anything. I believe Japan has like an airsoft kind of. governing body to some extent. Kind of. We have uh there's, there's some kind of standard for the gas guns and the CO2 yeah. guns have a standard. Um I'm not sure about the other guns, but you just see all the markings uh always like fields will say like co2 guns have to be at this standard but yeah. for aegs and stuff it's always just the uh the fps but yeah some countries we... like i know i think what was it um the netherlands has one and um uk kind of has it as well like you guys have like a license right you need to get like a card yes yeah um, so the that. way the way that works here is it's basically a reason to own the firearm because mm. it comes under a real imitation firearm, like bracket, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you can get them two-tone, which is 50% or more painted a bright color. But you can just, if you're over 18, you can go out and you can buy one of them straight off the shelf, job done, sorted, happy. But to get one that looks realistic, you have to have what we call a valid defense. And 
the best way to do that is what we call a Yukara license, which basically is you've played three or more games mm. at a local field in no less than two months. Mm. So it shows that you are actively playing and you're playing regularly. And that gives you a valid reason to own that real imitation firearm. It's simply just so people don't go out, buy an airsoft gun and then hold up a bank or steal from a corner shop or gunpoint yep. when it's just a toy. That's why we're not allowed airsoft in Australia, because we would do that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, give me one sec. Okay, Google. Yeah, no Brighten all lights to 100%. There we go. My <laughs> lights automatically dim when it gets to like 11 p.m. So I was just noticing oh. <laughs> getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and that was just going to be completely off soon. So, yeah. <laughs> Joys of house automation. All right, so I know you've got some different projects. So what are you working on at the moment? Um, so at the moment, I've got that URGI repair, as I say, because I decided to snap it in half a few weeks ago. So I'm repairing that. But uh, the one that I'm actually really, really excited and looking forward to doing is I'm there's a person in America who runs a company called Fuller Phoenix, which is an AK, like basically an AK manufacturer. But he does very high-end, unique guns. And he's basically like, Jesus for the AK platform hmm. in America. Well, he has a AK-105 that is, like, it's his go-to gun. Every photo that you see him with, he's got that gun in his hand or it's next to him. Every range day, he seems to be using that rifle. And I went, you know what? I'm going to sell a couple of my guns and I'm going to buy an AK-105 and build his gun. So at the moment, I've got all of the parts on order, ready to turn up, hopefully next week to be able to build exactly his gun, but in an airsoft replica instead. Nice. And I'm really looking forward to doing that. Well, when you finish, uh, send some photos on Instagram. I'll promote them on my feed so people can see the goodness. Okay, awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, man. So this is the uh, end of the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining and sharing your story. It's been really cool finding out more about... Um, airsoft in the uk like no matter who you talk to you always get different information more information on different subjects and finding out just what it's like in different areas is is fun um so for the last part of the podcast the the mic is yours please shout out anyone you want to shout out uh websites you want people to visit tell people how they can find you um so my main way of getting in contact with myself specifically is Instagram. I mainly post, again, AK-related content within Airsoft because that's my bread and butter. Um, again, shout out the lads who I play Airsoft with every weekend. So we've got Tier 1 Badlands, which is the site. Uh, Holman's Test Mine is the mine that's down here. And then all of the lads from Seahawk Airsoft, which that one there is our flag. Again, find us on Instagram. Uh, thank you very much for having me on, Matt. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming. And hopefully I can see you on the field one day and uh, shoot you. Sounds good. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, you too. In a bit.